Welcome back. This is Mango Masala, the South Asian show on Pi Radio. I'm joined here today by Simran. Hey guys, how's it going? And you want to just give them a bit of a traffic announcement? Heading east on the M62. There's a big fat accident. Yeah. Don't go on it. Avoid that. Yeah, massive fire. (laughs) You know, whenever I say avoid now, all I can think of is Mehuna when him. Look, he's like, avoid ya. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but yeah, how are you? How is um, finishing uni? I cannot tell you how stressed I am. Like, the mm. stress is unreal. I literally wake up in the morning, I'm like, dissertation. I'm like, dissertation. Attention. Uh... The whole thing. Because um, my dissertation's about stress and attention. The ironic thing is, I'm so stressed about the stress research. All I'm talking about is stress, how stress affects the body, the impacts that stress can have on your physical and mental health. Like 101 studies about like stress causing or making your existing symptoms worse or causing completely new like symptoms and issues that you didn't have before just because of stress. And now I am a product of my very own research. Wow. So life is great right now. So it's kind of like um, Inception, kind of. Like someone should yeah. be doing a study of you because you're really doing a should. study of stress. Like. They really should. And at the moment, I'm a thousand and I'm 1,100 words over word count. Oh, yeah. I've been, I've been that. But I've been like 3,000 words over. Really? So like, yeah, that like, makes me yeah. feel so much yeah. better. Thank you. Yeah. Because I'm not really a, I'm not really an exceeding word count kind of person. I'm like a bang on or a little bit under even. I have to kind of like beef it up a bit. This time, I don't know what happened. I'm not used to cutting down. I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, like, honestly, I suppose for, for the, like, the first bit of it, it's good because it does force you to be concise and be like, you know what? I don't really need that or I am kind of over talking here yeah but then once you get past all that it is a really hard decision to kind of think about okay what am i gonna cut out that mm-hmm. sort of thing like and i've realized my project itself is just extremely ambitious i think for an undergrad project it was a lot of detail that went into it and it was like a very like within the time frame within the constraints within like covid within like uni in general it was a very ambitious project to undertake uh but you know, like you've done, you've done the most of the work, right? So it's like, yeah. is it just a case of cutting it down? Now? I think this is, yeah. So the main bit is cutting down, and then it's going to be a lot of obviously proofreading and correcting, making things sound nicer. But then also, like you know, the the formatting rubbish, like you know, page numbers, appendixes, your yeah. contents page, your title page, acknowledgements, that rubbish. That's in a way that's kind of the bit that I'm looking forward to the least. I'm just like, oh, it's just like tedious, isn't it? You just have to get it done. But we're in the final stages. I'm hoping in the next, like, 24 to 36 hours it will be submitted. I'm literally going to the library straight after this. I've got my yeah. I've got my backpack with me wow. and my laptop's in it, and we're going straight there till, like, the library isn't 24 hours anymore, obviously because of COVID. Yeah. But usually I'm a nocturnal worker, um, so I'll, I would usually be in the library, like, 11 p.m. to, like, 5 a.m. So do you not, like, work at home, then? I hate working in the day. I've obviously done it. I've been forced to. But I can't work at home, and I can't work in daylight. I have to work in, like, darkness or mood lighting. I, I don't know if you heard the way that you said that then, but it literally sounded like, I hate twerking in the day. Like, because you said hate and working. <laughs> the way you said it, it literally sounded like that. Yeah, you know, I don't mind twerking any, any time of the day. Fair that enough. works. But working in the day, yeah. I can't, I just physically can't do it. But is that work? So is that working in the day or working at home in the day? Both. It's like a double. Mm. So I can kind of. I obviously I've done it. I've had to just get on with it and do it. But 
in ideal situations I work in like really dark lighting like ambient lighting on my own like in the living room not in my bedroom or in a library you know what now I mention it you wear like a lot of black as well you like secretly like a goth or something yeah yeah facts yeah I really am everyone says this to me I'm mm. a goth and I'm also goth that was really bad goth let <laughs> me pronounce my um words I'm a goth and I'm a 12 year old boy that's what everyone describes my dress sense 12 year old what is, like it, a, is that today like, a, like i guess so yeah like look at this coat man like come on oh. everyone calls it my chavy puffer but we're not meant to use that word anymore similarly we're we're politically correct yeah sorry yeah but but yeah they call it my like unstylish they, they call like, it that yeah they not me i yeah. i love it yeah. this is my staple item in my wardrobe but yeah I've, my dress sense has been described as like between a goth and a 12 year old boy so it's rough well you know what that's unique so. Like one of those Travis Scott Fortnite kids. <laughs> Moving on. Going back to um, how you were saying about, oh yeah, I, I like going to the library working um, like from 9pm to 5am, yeah. right? So like, obviously, right now you're at the peak of your uni experience in terms of academics. Like mm-hmm. you're literally doing the most out yeah. of you. So I know you said you kind of wanted to discuss the topic of kind of maybe burnout and like mm-hmm. especially within the south asian community obviously we're hard workers and that's a good it's a good yes. thing but then we also maybe have a reputation for taking it a bit too far and not giving ourselves like mm-hmm. the mental relaxation that mm-hmm. we need well i highlighted the south asian community in this topic of conversation but that is not to neglect other communities in the same respect because I think as a third year student or as a student, I think in any regard, especially during a pandemic, everybody is burnt out. I mean, people mm. that work like yourself, like everyone's burnt out in a way. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like you can't neglect the experience of everyone, especially because of the events of the last year. The burnout is real. Yeah. Like I feel like everybody I speak to is so done with it, especially at third year uni level, because, you know, you've had your GCSEs, you've had two years of A-levels and then three years of uni. It's just like, what's that? Six years altogether. Yeah of just intense like september to september revision like mm. exams the pressure was like unreal i think for just six years and you get to this point where you're like right at the end you're in may like it's the last of the um last bit of the term and it's that final push but you've got nothing in you to push anymore yeah. and it's just frustrating because you want to you know you have to but there are so many days where you just can't and i've spoken to a lot of my friends and they say like they plan out, say they've got an essay, they're like, oh, I need to write 500 words this day, and they go to do it. And then before they know it, they spent eight hours on TikTok, you know? That's the thing, TikTok. TikTok. Is oh, the... my, um, I did all the, I tried the whole like app limit and screen time. <laughs> I tried it, but there's no enforcement. I can just say ignore screen time or whatever yeah. it comes up with. I just press it and I'm just like, well. At the end of the day, you can't like, for, you can't get your phone to literally lock you out of it. You oh, know I wish I mean? it would though. I wish it would. <laughs> That's why uh, I always like give my phone to like someone else. I like put it in a different room, but mm. then I, I like write. I'll write like twenty words, and then I'm like, oh, phone break. <laughs> well, it's kind of like as well. Like, I think because the pandemic has put a halt to everything, there's this sort of expectation that that with that comes that everything else is halted, and that means oh, people are having a bit of a break. Mm-hmm. And I think we've said before, the first lockdown, mm-hmm. it did feel a bit like that. Uh, personally, yes. I think it felt a bit like, even though I was still revising for exams at that point, um, it felt quite 
like just that everything had just come to stop and it was a welcome break yes it's now that we're over a year into it Mm -hmm. it is definitely feeling more like a chore and i think that's the thing is that things have kind of picked up again afterwards and they're obviously trying to continue no matter what and yes that means you're basically doing the same but under these really hard conditions which obviously is going to have more of a toll on you but you don't necessarily realize it 100 percent. Right. like going back to the first pandemic like you said the first sorry first pandemic the first lockdown um first of all we have to preface i just have to say like you have to recognize your privilege in saying that you found that a break and it yeah, was relaxing yeah. i equally found it really relaxing and it was enjoyable you know when everyone was you don't know i always say it, the coffee thing everyone was doing the yoga the home workouts redoing the garden like you do have to recognize your privilege in saying that you found it relaxing because people were going through the hardest time of their lives people were dying you know the nhs was overwhelmed like it was a really trying time across the nation however a lot of people did find that break quite satisfying and rightly so because you know just a break from life however over a year on now coming in and out of lockdown easing up the restrictions and trying to get back into life on top of juggling your nine to five or your uni exams or your dissertations or whatever it's it's not pleasant and what i wanted to speak about was i think in like you said in the South Asian community, because I can only speak from my perspective, but that we have this air of like, oh, we work really hard. And obviously we do because 60, 70 years ago when our like grandparents or even like in a less amount of time than our parents came over here from their respective countries, they came here with like, you know, the clothes on their back and like a fiver in their pocket, like literally nothing. And they made what they had. They worked tirelessly hard. I know my grandparents worked tirelessly hard to make what they have for us now. And like, that was like, effort that is unheard of i don't think i could ever put that effort into anything because but they just had to do it because it was survival for them so i think we have it ingrained in us to have this air of i have to just work really hard and health physical health first forget mental health Mm. that can just take a sideline it can go on the bench for a little bit until i get what i need to get prior to all of that it's because as well like there is no consideration for mental health in the first place there is never really going to be it's not really existent in our community like that um which is a big thing like i think needs to be tackled there's a lot of stigma behind caring for your mental health and prioritizing your mental health and looking after mental health issues existing and like potentially incoming for yourself in our community it's very swept under the rug it's very um taboo it's a very taboo topic to speak about and you know that's why we have these conversations because we raise awareness and then that helps people you know develop the language that they need to have to have these conversations equally in their own right however i've realized going to a mainly south asian high school the air of like just work and work and work and just don't stop until you've got your a star your a your b whatever your grades was so ingrained in all of us no one gave it a second thought yeah we were all like in the library till like five, six in the morning at the end of our A-levels. We weren't sleeping. We were like a mess. Like everyone was tired. Everyone was all over the place. Mm. And no one even thought, hang on a minute, this is really unhealthy for all of us. Yeah. I mean, I can relate to that as well because my school wasn't, I mean, there was a significant proportion of brown people there, Mm -hmm. but I think it was mainly because it was a private school and it was like one of the best private schools, at least in the Northwest. I know that. Mm -hmm. And, it was pretty much an exam factory and they did like to give them credit where it's due they did obviously they were these things were like oh yeah um 
do do this to make yourself feel a bit better do this and i remember just at the time just being a bit like this is this is this isn't helping like i feel like we had those kind of meetings and assemblies as well where they would do the like don't burn out and prioritize your mental health and here's how you develop your like work and social life balance but i it didn't feel like it came from a place of care it felt mm. like it was a checkbox in saying yeah. we did the mental health thing now go and revise yeah. for like 16 hours a day do you know yeah. what i mean i feel especially like at my school it was they had a rep to uphold so it was very Me much too. like sort of like yeah. you, you need to uh, the figures are the, like the most important thing it was never said explicitly but that's how it felt oh for sure like, like yeah. my school always had a proportion of kids that would go to the oxbridge universities and then other than that the vast majority would end up in russell groups and in really amazing courses which obviously is great when you put that on paper but the state of us in june when those exams would come yeah. around we were the definition of burnout was an understatement honestly we were knackered and it was just not healthy but like I said, no one batted an eyelid to it because that's what happened every year before us. And that's still what's continuing to happen every year after us. And mm. it's happening with uh, my year now all in uni. We're doing the exact same thing because that's how we've learned to get through exam periods. And the thing is, that is one way of doing it, but you don't come out a better person for it. You just come out a little exam factory in yourself. Yeah, and just those letters. Like I remember at the time, you, you always think at the time, like, oh yeah, GCSEs are going to define the rest of your life yeah. and to be fair that's not to say don't take them seriously because they are important to get you to the next stage mm -hmm. but they're also not the be all and end all no like no also, no exam is even yeah. my even my uni exam now it's not the be all and end all yeah like literally i think especially in this day and age people are becoming a lot more impressed at what you've done rather than what you have if that makes sense like what you've done in terms of like sure. for, like your past experience how you've shown that you want to be part of this for role sure. rather than oh i've got this like grade etc yep. and like not to toot my own horn but like i again i'm someone who comes from a quite a um like privileged background in terms of my education like i've got like a stars a's whatever like mm -hmm. two one at uni all that stuff like law degree as well mm -hmm. and during the pandemic literally could not get a job like and i know obviously that's the pandemic is like everyone was like going through it but that just goes to show like how insignificant that is like again i'm not belittling the fact that you obviously need education is good and when it's like you're actually enjoying the education you're actually enriching your knowledge and at the end of the day it does help but it's not the be all and end all and there are other sure. things that can come into play certainly and you shouldn't yeah beat yourself up about it like i'm just literally thinking about gcse's now and i think the average for our um like year group at the time was people had like maybe like 20 to 30 exams throughout the period yeah oh my god and i just i i just think about them and i'm just like how like i don't understand how looking at how how did i do that at, at the age of 16 yeah like that's actually mad like you remember having like three exams in a day and there's people yeah. that would overlap and they'd have to go did the whole day in isolation yeah and also like obviously um it's good like i um get like extra time in exams because of like learning difficulties which is good that that's in place but at the same time that's even longer so you're literally yeah. sitting there i know some people had literally like four hour exams and it's just it's, it's crazy like i i just look back on it i'm just like how how is this allowed like how why why is this and the, the more i think i remember at the time i was kind of a bit like 
oh exam like exams do like show your intelligence mm-hmm. it's just people say that they don't because they like don't do well at them but looking back on it now i am realizing how much exams really are just a test of your memory and sure. having actually had experience working now i've seen quite a lot of arguments online that have been like we should be able to like have our notes in exams or it should be done differently and i totally agree because realistically like in working life if i don't know something just go on to google mm-hmm. like you know what i mean like no one obviously retaining information is important but it's not that important mm-hmm. yeah it's mad the structure of like academic assessment that we use here is so ableist in a sense that they don't mm. prioritize different ways of learning they don't prioritize people with learning difficulties like you know you obviously said you get extra time and stuff but that's not necessarily the most catered way that it could have been for yeah. you you know and like you said the state of exams is a memory test it is literally how well can you absorb the information in this textbook and how well can you blurt that back out onto a piece of paper yeah. it's not really a test of how well you understand it's not really the extra readings not necessary and stuff like that even in essay based topics the amount of extra reading i would do for geography none of it mattered you know yeah. because i wasn't on the the mark scheme i think it goes down to like beyond like the curriculum and into the core of it as well like i remember not my actual um what they're called the professional exams but mm-hmm. the ones that we do did in school and that i remember sometimes we do them and they didn't really want to accommodate for the fact of needing extra time so they were sort of like yeah you just do it in the normal time and we'll just times your score by 1.25 which obviously oh obviously at the time i was like you know what I'm gonna yes, take that. <laughs> but like obviously that was that's not that's, that's not, not equivalent yeah. to like what you needed and that's not equivalent to everyone else's yeah state of their exam like their conditions that they took their exam in as well yeah. they you know it doesn't silly. make sense yeah but i suppose what i kind of wanted to say was the state of burnout that i think everyone feels that i i see that i see myself as very rampant in our community it's upholded by you know school staff teachers the senior staff within schools mm. especially by parents and family where it's encouraged to like work yeah ridiculous hours and really burn yourself out and you know your parents say like oh i haven't seen you in two days or yeah because i've spent like 16 hours in the library (laughs) i think it is like a cultural thing definitely as well because looking at my like family history i always say like and it's true that i really do look up to my dad's work ethic in that so he was the one who emigrated to the uk in 1992 mm-hmm. so it's like people are quite surprised when they hear that they're like oh yeah, that's really late and it's like yeah but that's just what that's just what happened yeah. especially when they hear like his accent because he does like try and like be as like british as possible yeah. <laughs> well i don't know if that's how he learned it back in india but yeah but yeah i always really ad- admire his work ethic and he always tells me yeah because he got sponsored to come over here to be a doctor mm-hmm. and when he first came here he was living on like a pound a day or something yeah. I was like eating like potatoes and he was like oh yeah like I used to reward myself with like a Mars bar once a week like sort of thing like that kind of yeah. really hard like working and like and I can say that as well because like right now with regards to my dad he I am like privileged in terms of like my um my family in terms of my dad's like economic wealth like mm-hmm. he has like worked really hard and he is in a very good position and is earning good money mm-hmm. but it has literally come from nothing and that's not to, that's not to like belittle anyone else's personal struggles no. that, that's just like the way it is but at the same time i still see to this day like 
he does work ridiculously hard yeah and i know he does it like to support his family because at the same time like he like for for what he is like the house that he lives in isn't like it's it's it, it, it obviously is not um bad but like he could be living in much better places mm-hmm. because like he's basically working so hard to give his money to like his loved one sort mm-hmm. of thing which is really admirable by the same time i can't help feeling when he's doing that a bit like please just make sure you're taking Prioritize care of yourself. yourself like yeah like just like i've, I've been, like because I'm, I'm turning 25 this year it's great that he's like still like willing to support me mm-hmm. but at the same time i'm also like please like just do something for yeah, yourself yeah like please just make sure that you are taking your own health into consideration yeah. yeah i think the thing is on the one hand it's so incredibly commendable that they worked that hard and they sacrificed everything they had to make our lives better and they saw that vision before we were even here and before they even had, you know, the houses and the jobs and the money that came along with it. They were putting that work in before they saw results for years. Yeah. Like my nanaji did, did the exact same thing back in the 1960s where there was like 12 of them in a house and they would all work ridiculous shifts. Then he like got his family, had my mom and her brother, went to Australia to work in like coal mines just to like send all that money back. Mm. Unfortunately, he had to come back from Australia because of racism. Like it was just crazy the things that they enjoyed. And he would tell me the stories about like when he'd get on a plane to go to and from and how racist people would be and like the problems that they encountered day to day, but they never gave up. And it was that like, that like strength and determination, I think that we all take on. However, we now have very different problems. Yeah. Like, in a sense, minuscule compared to what they had. Yeah. We're not coming to a country not knowing the language, can't speak, not don't know anyone, don't know where we are. We're not trying to make um, a living off that. Yeah. But our problems are very different in a sense. But we have the same work ethic in that we do the whole burnout thing and health comes after everything yeah. else and prioritizing yourself comes after everything else. And I think in the new era of like self-care and mental health prioritization and speaking about how you feel and stuff, when you have that work ethic, you do feel slightly sidelined and you don't have time for that side mm. of stuff. Whereas that's why I kind of wanted to say that we have it in our community so rampantly, but in other communities, it might not be so much because I see my other friends and their work ethics and they are so relaxed and mm. they are just like, it is what it is. It's okay. I don't really mind. It's like they're winging it or they're like, they're very planned in advance or they do, they set aside three hours a day to do this one essay. And if that three hours is up, that's it. Done for the day, you know? Whereas for me, if I put it aside three hours and then at two hours 59, I'm like, oh, I could just write three more paragraphs. I will just spend like the next four hours doing it. Yeah, that's the thing. Like it's no matter what it is, you set yourself time aside, but then it's like, if you you go over that, you go over that. Like, you know, I mean, there's never, it's never really any question of, Maybe I should just stop. Isn't it, I, I just don't know when to stop. I've never known when to like stop. And that's when that's what gets me to a point like this where I've slept two hours. All I've eaten is a sandwich and a packet of crisps and like a Coke. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's not healthy and it's not sustainable. Is, is that what, where you are today? That is where I am today. Yeah, and not... a massive coffee. So I'm like, I'm like jittery. That probably isn't setting you up in the best situation for what we're going to do. I later. really <laughs> thought about that. And I was like, I don't want to see that sandwich again. <laughs> You know? Yeah. Oh, well. Anyway, we'll see. Yeah, guys, you'll see what we're talking about. We're being quite mysterious, but yeah, you'll see yeah. it in the future. Um, but, you know, it's just not sustainable practices, but it's what we do to get through and is what I will continue to do for the next two and a half weeks without a question. I can talk all this, like, big talk all I want yeah. about 
you know identifying the problem but i'm i'm six years into this exam thing now i'm not going to change my practice now mm. it's hard to unlearn stuff and it's sure. especially when it's it's beyond the six years thing because it's basically your whole identity it's like it's ingrained mm-hmm. and it's like we don't really know any sort of different and it's it's, the thing, it's like totally different as well like as well i would say that i am a bit of a not like lazy person but i find it quite hard to be motivated sometimes yeah but that doesn't mean that when i'm working I, this this still comes into play like once i'm working i'm working and i want yeah. to get it even though i might feel in myself like oh i can't be bothered i just want to stop i will just keep going yeah. like but then that comes from the same place yeah that work ethic and the just determination and the never knowing when to switch off aspect of things mm. i feel like this is why it's important like because it's interesting how we've ended up on this point because obviously it's mental health awareness week this mm-hmm. week so it's actually quite um topical um i did like this like video thing for pi like earlier in the week talking about mental health and one of the things that i said was that it's important for us like in terms of the next generation to be the change because i do feel like our generation is maybe the first generation that is actually kind of thinking yes we still have this ingrained in us but we don't want to necessarily pass this on or at least we yeah. want it we want to pass we, someone to filter through we want like the elements in terms of the hard work mm-hmm. ethic and the sticking to your guts like that sort of thing but then we don't want the burnout elements don't to want through. burnout and don't put yourself first that. a little bit more and make time for self-care and stuff like that and don't beat yourself up for taking the night off or for you know maybe not being as productive as you planned to this one and not getting every item on your checklist checked off because I know I'm a sucker for that. Like I'll have the checklist if there's anything blank. I will work until it's it's got a tick on it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's it's a give and take and it's about, you know, being good with your time and sorting it out in advance and like kind of planning ahead and not yeah. beating yourself up. I feel like also a big thing is if I'm not going to do work that day, sometimes I just know like for two hours, I know I'm going to sit on TikTok. So fine, sit on TikTok for two hours, but put your laptop away so you don't feel guilty about it. Mm. But then at that two hours, then put your phone away and get your laptop out and do work. Do you know what I mean? Because I feel like if I'm watching Kardashians or if I'm like on TikTok, but my work is in front of me, I'm not even enjoying the TikTok or, yeah. the, or the Netflix so show or whatever. Like because yeah, worlds. I'm not yeah. even enjoying what I'm doing because there's guilt. So just put the time aside and just have your like your you time yeah. and then have your work time. But just make sure the balance is right. Yeah. So I think that's a good message to end this little segment on. So like, especially at the moment, I, I don't even know, are like A-levels and that happening? I don't believe so. No. There must be, they must be either, I don't know if they've done them online actually, A, like A-levels. Yeah. Um, they must do the whole, um, what are they called? Predicted grades. Yeah, or internal exams or something. That is but, horrific. Yeah. My thoughts go out to everyone doing GCSEs or A-levels. Yeah. I mean, my exams are online, I hate it. Mm. Because like you said, we've been churned out as exam factories to do the memory testing. I've done five, four and a half years of the memory testing. And now it's like, I've gotten really good at memorizing a textbook and regurgitating it out, but now it's all online. It's like everyone's on the same playing yeah. field. If you don't revise enough, you're the same as someone who's revised for the last month. It's sort of like the expectation that you should be able to do it better because you sure. Got that. Whereas I'm not a coursework person. I'm mm. awful at coursework compared to exams. Yeah. So it's it just depends on everyone's individual style. Because I know a lot of people who would appreciate an online exam way more than a real mm. life one, but there's no way that you're going to satisfy everybody, especially not in a pandemic. Yeah. 
I think just to end it, like anyone who is currently doing exams, no matter where you're in life, just make sure to. And this isn't us like just ticking a box. This is literally us no, saying, please genuinely. take time for yourself. Like yeah. it's not the end of the world. It's better for you to take some time aside for yourself and maintain your mental health for than sure. it is to overwork. Even if that's like securing the the grade for you, because ultimately your mental health should be prioritized above and that's what sets your foundation to work and be motivated anyway yeah. so when you put that first results will come in other aspects and they will just come without you even realizing that they have mm-hmm. and self-care takes so many forms in the form of like a little facial or like painting a picture playing a musical instrument going for a walk like there's so many things that you can do you just have to find what suits you and make the time for it fair very well said simran thank right. you well, we've got like psychologist in the making. Can here. you tell that I'm really speaking from the heart right now? Because mm-hmm. it's my entire life. Literally. Take take on what you're saying and apply I it to yourself. I know. Yeah. Watch me now, just like not do any of that. Guys, don't <laughs> listen to listen to me. Don't, well, don't, listen don't to me. do what I'm gonna do for the next two weeks. Oh dick. And read my dissertation when it gets published. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, no, then we'll promote it and whatnot. Yeah. Do you know what? This is normal Mayweather. A bit. I it just needs to be a bit hotter. That's why I'm don't know yeah. why it's, I don't know why it's not hot. But um saying that, kind of off the last topic, it makes me feel better because when you're doing work and it's like sunny, mm. people are playing outside and everything's like lit, you're seeing everyone's stories and everyone's outdoors and you have to like sit inside and revise. It is so miserable. So yeah. I'm kind of like I'm not mad. But you as know long what? as it gets better once I'm done. Look forward to the future though, Simran, because I've been thinking like how nice it is to be in like april may time and not have the worry of exams like i know obviously you're gonna do a master's but (laughs) like after that like we'll get there eventually it's so funny because everyone always says i can't wait to be out of education i'm so done i can't i I can never do another year of studying like the thought of it makes me sick and i'm just there in the corner like (laughs) cries in postgrad (laughs) (laughs) oh dear yeah but at least it's like not that you would haven't elected to do undergrad, but at least it's like I think with masters especially, it is kind of you're doing it because you really yeah want you really to. want that yeah. qualification. So I'm not mad about yeah. it, but watch me like you know that that picture of Squidward at the window, SpongeBob <laughs> and Patrick are running outside. Because uh, you know how it is in masters as well. It's like you submit everything and then you have to do your final thing over summer, isn't it? Yeah. Like yeah. It's gonna be so fun. Yeah, well, manifest it. It will be fun. It will be fun. Yeah. It, coming on to the next topic, obviously, for those of you that don't know, there is a bit of a showdown that went on in Glasgow on Thursday. In fact, I first saw it actually because um, one of my close friends lived in Glasgow or lives in Glasgow and they were posting on their story what was wow. going on. And I was just like, oh, this is interesting. And then literally the next day, next thing you know, it's on the news. Like, So basically what happened was... um immigration rolled up at this uh, street in glasgow and they were trying to take away these two indian immigrants and basically apparently allegedly for immigration offenses i don't know what they've specifically done but that's what they were doing and people around started to gain like knowledge of what was going on and then suddenly this one guy apparently literally put himself like not not, as in this as in not the two men that were being um detained but uh passerby literally put himself underneath the immigration van 
and he and he was literally like yeah i'm not moving and then once he was under there all these people came around and were literally surrounding the van like so they like, wow. couldn't move and they were literally like chanting all that stuff and eventually they actually let the two people out and they, they, <laughs> they were they were they were literally chanting stuff like oh let our neighbors go like that sort of thing and you know what i was actually pleasantly surprised mm. because i've always understood glasgow there are obviously um bane populations in glasgow but i have also understood it to be a bit racist at times mm-hmm. like especially I mean, there's a bit of like a um resistance towards it so i was quite nice to uh, pleasantly surprised to see that that worked both from the side of seeing people actually standing up for them but also from the side of um actually seeing that it worked like yeah. it literally it were like surrounded and they were let go obviously we i imagine what will happen now is that maybe certain legalities etc will go ahead without yeah. them being literally bundled into a van and taken mm-hmm. away and no one knows what's happening to them i think that's the issue here because i was gonna say we don't know what the now the repercussions may, might yeah. be for those people yeah i mean i don't know the thing with like immigration and that is obviously we can't say yes everyone should be able to go wherever they want and do whatever they want like we can't say that however the way in which we deal with issues regarding immigration i think is too hostile like wasn't mm-hmm. there like that doesn't it wasn't Theresa may like sending around these buses like telling people like oh yeah go home or we'll find you out or something, yeah. something like that like and now we've got in pretty patel and you know what i was actually thinking about this um obviously a few weeks ago when we were doing that whole like royals quiz we were kind of like joking <laughs> around and stuff and it's like you know what i think that's like it's all right because at the end of the day it's a subject that is quite close to heart and it's kind of like if you don't laugh about it you don't laugh you'll cry yeah literally um but at the same time do need to obviously acknowledge that this is a serious thing like we might sit here and laugh about oh yeah pretty patel's gonna bang through the door (laughs) and like take away simran yeah by the way how are you back here like what's going on oh so i spoke to pretty guys we've had some conversation she said i'm allowed in for a little bit longer yeah probably not after this conversation but but yeah, it's one thing for us to literally, like, we can joke about it like that, of but course. it's another thing, like, what's actually going on. Like, I saw... It is a reality for some people. Yeah, like, I saw another thing on Twitter about apparently she wants to deport this teenager who's English-speaking, not that that should matter in the first place. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's an extra box ticked. <laughs> um, and they want to deport her, I think, to South Sudan, where she faces... um fgm so female genital mutilation and they still want to do it and it's the same with these guys um in glasgow why even if these guys are here illegally Mm -hmm. and they even they've done something wrong they it makes sense for them to be deported whatever Mm -hmm. whatever if even if that was the context are you really telling me that it's the right decision to be trying to deport them back to India right now in the midst yeah. of COVID? Yeah. Like, like, what's going on? But there's like, priorities literally. that need to be taken yeah. at place here. And also the manner in which they do it by like literally physically arresting and detaining them. It's just mm. so rooted in like, it's just dehumanizing and it's just mm. not the way, you know, there's legislations to go through, there's paperwork to go through, you get them in the court system and then you go through it that way. You don't have to physically like apprehend them yeah. and take them away and make a big spectacle of it. And obviously the state of this country and the way the manner in which they detain people and the mass detaining that does happen you know like there's like um 
TV shows about it. What are those mm. like immigration, yeah. like TV shows? And they go and they go into like um, workplaces and they just like yeah. take all these employees, like, like warehouses and that type. Of it's thing. not a yeah. spectacle to be watched and like to find amuse um, amuse amusement in. Yeah, <laughs> um, I know. It's a bit of a joke, and obviously, then you like I said we joked about the Preeti Patel thing, but it is a reality for some people. And the things that she says are very much damaging. And the buses that Theresa May had, like that's so damaging. And it's all rooted in racism and colonialism mm. and this air of like, we, you know, the whole, we will find you and we will detain you and deport you. Like they're not, it's not live. They're not livestock. They're yeah. human beings that are, you know, coming here. Best case scenario, really, just for a better life for themselves and for their families, you know. And then horrible, in like in in, other, in a lot of cases, in shockingly large amount of cases, you know, they're evading threat. They're here for mm. asylum, or they've there's a real threat for them back home. Things like FGM, FGM, something I didn't even think about. You always think yeah. it's like asylum or like civil war and like really yeah. like political thing. Not that not that FGM isn't political, but like things that you see on the news, like refugee yeah. seeking and things like that stuff like uh, fgm i didn't even that didn't even cross my mind like mm. threats that affect specific demographics like women or like different ethnicity groups or like minority ethnicity uh, groups yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's terror it's a terrifying reality that some people live and they come here for a better life and they come here to avoid like an imminent threat just to be made a spectacle of mm. and treated as not human in the slightest it's mad as well because when you think about how the exact opposite happened by choice in terms of britain going around the world mm -hmm. seeing oh this is cool we're let's just pitch up our tent here and take all the resources yeah. and make the people civilized like that sort of thing and then like 100 200 years later people fleeing a lot of the time not obviously not all the time but a lot of the time from trouble that has happened because of the mess that britain left there they're now fleeing because of these civil wars because they um britain like messed things up when they were there mm -hmm. left straight away when they realized they couldn't do it anymore yeah and then there's this situation where obviously people just turn against yeah. each other people try to flee yeah. and then we're like well why are you coming here for we're a tiny island like blah, blah 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 if we're a tiny island why were we trying to colonize the whole world i don't i, I don't understand like who did we think we were like who did we think we were and like you say that like we would go to a country ruin everything leave yeah. it so derelict leave the people with nothing start civil internal civil wars there between their own people and then when things didn't work out for us pack our stuff up and leave and this isn't even going back hundreds of years this is recent like, this mm. is like even post-world war ii like the state of some countries even in like eastern europe yeah. you know like we're not talking about just like south asia and east asian africa and things like that we're talking about like europe as well as included that all these people have to come and then you have this commonwealth commonwealth and it's supposed to be like all britain's colonies all getting along and then the people that belong to that commonwealth can't even come here and reap the so-called benefits that they're allowed to reap yeah, they'll still be like deported like yeah rushing that like and the ones that are here and don't face deportation still have to live at the hands of you know racism and institutionalized racism and they yeah. don't get the opportunities afforded to them that they're white counterpart or british counterpart normally would and then another slap in the face and we spoke about this before then you get like manifestos and these articles that come out and they said that, that britain is not institutionally racist and that the barriers at which we face in our own progression we put there ourselves well, which is a joke yeah, so if you don't laugh you cry if you don't laugh you'll cry pretty patel yeah.
Banpreeti Patel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is not representative views of Pi Radio. Um, yeah, this is just. Yeah, Simran said it, not me. Pretty. Did you see that comment we got? And someone added me, and they were like, um, something like, "Oh, I can't wait for Preeti Patel to see this and deport Simran." Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I didn't see that. But you know what? I did see someone commented on it, and and um, on the institutionally racist one, and said. Like, they thought we were being serious because, you know, the caption was like, Britain isn't institutionally uh-huh. racist, apparently. And they were like, are you serious? I was like, no, oh, we're gosh. obviously being sarcastic. Our like, comments have been contentious, to say the least, lately. Yeah, people aren't very happy people with... People are um, mad. People aren't very happy with what we were saying last week. Well, what Helena Halima. was saying last week. <laughs> because she, and she, all she was saying... Yeah, all she was saying was saying, like, don't judge people I, for, like, not listen. fasting. When like, that post came out, I knew I kind of could guess what the comments were roughly going to say, and I just kind yeah. of saw that happen before it happened. Um, that what they were saying was you don't judge someone else's fast because my personal opinion is you, you you're not allowed to judge someone else's relationship with God if they want to yeah. practice the way they want to practice, then let them go ahead and do that. Yeah, and people were mad. Yeah, it <laughs> really annoyed me as well because I didn't even notice until afterwards, but I missed out on A on Ramadan, so it literally mm. says. Ramdan. Ramdan. Right. Sorry. Deary me. That's the first. It was. I spelled mistake. It was going to happen at some point. But yeah, guys. Gets like that. If you want to con in what's it called participate in these type of conversations, then please go to at Manga Masala Radio on Instagram and follow us because you know what we're going places. Like we're doing alright. Yeah, you know what we hit seven hundred the other day. We're already on seven twenty. Come on, wait! I've got the I've got the thing. I've been making um like a document on my phone, and yeah. basically you don't we don't need to go through all of it. But February we hit three hundred, and it was our goal for the beginning of March to hit three hundred. And I think it was like the seventh of February we hit three hundred or something. So come on, yeah. and you know what? Been posting these around um of course. Yes, yeah, there you go. You. You got, we've got stickers, guys. If you want, pers- should we start doing merch? <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll i would prob- wear merch but we'll probably uh we'll, we need to get into a position guys if anyone wants to sponsor us please get into it because like we need to be sponsored anyway i'm gonna go to the library with this one and people are gonna be like <laughs> you know what take another one like stick it on your library things then i'll put it on my like, laptop you know yeah yeah right you know have, have loads here you go oh my god and i'll put it on my phone case go oh three. look he's tricking me out there you thank go. you thank you this is this, this is, is drip, drip, guys. This is in, in case the people at home don't know what we're talking about. I've got like these stickers which are got the manga masala logo and the apps on them. Um, I just went to this like express sticker <gasps> thing like online and got them in time. And you know what I was, I was handing them out obviously when we were going around um, on Thursday evening when we were interviewing people for Eid. That does look cool. And um, afterwards, like I got some food and I was waiting for it and I was literally just going around like sticking these on my lamppost <laughs> and stuff. Were you? Like, yeah. So Genius. Yeah, it's like, I think technically Great it's marketing. flyer posting. So if anyone watches this, I, di- I didn't do that. But anyway. <laughs> um, what, uh, Manchester City Council, Greater yeah, Manchester. Um, it wasn't me, in the words of Shaggy. But at the same time, yeah, go follow us at Mango Masala wow. Radio. And if you want, if Do someone wants to sponsor guys. us, then we'll bring out merch oh, and they'll happily. look cool. There yeah. was um this this um clothing company, and I'm not going to name them because they wouldn't give me any free stuff. <laughs> well, I didn't even ask, but just in case, um, I was so tempted because they only had like a hundred followers, but their stuff is cool. I'll show you later. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I was really tempted to message you and be like, so I'm on this radio show. Really? <laughs> and I was like, am I an influencer yet? No. I mean, maybe once we get to a thousand, we can start being like a bit like, do you know who I am? Like, but I was like, I was like, I will, I will buy it. I'm not expecting free things, just like a slight discount. Maybe just like take the take the shipping off, take the de- delivery free off. I don't know. Mm. I was like, I will wear it on cam. <laughs> True, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say it again for the people out there. If you want to get in touch with us about any sponsorship deals or anything <laughs> Pi Radio related, please get in touch either at Mangumsala Radio on Instagram or email me Carlos at PiRadio.co.uk. Um, yeah, thank you. Also, guys, should probably promote this as well. We've got our concert coming up on the 27th of June, um, sixth birthday of Pi Radio. We've got A92, we've got Hard. Comfy, you've got um, Castro, Overseas End, um, who else was it? The other one, Dens, and also got our. Um, headliner yet to be announced but i can assure you that you will like this one do you know so, who it is i do know who it is yeah <gasps> okay you have to tell me later yeah well we'll see about that <laughs> but anyway guys we're gonna play a bit of music now but you should stick around because in a bit we are going to get into some physiotherapy talk so this was a webinar thing that i actually did a few weeks back with a few um people in the profession and Honestly, I was a bit apprehensive about it because I obviously don't know anything about physiotherapy. So I thought I was just going to be sat there like not really knowing anything. But it was actually a really nice discussion. So we're going to play a bit of that. And then the full webinar will be out later on today. So if you are interested in that, you can go and check that out. But for now, let's get back to some of this music. Um, oh, yeah. Also, go check out our Eid video on YouTube. Um, oh, if yeah. You don't How could know. we forget? Yeah. On, on at Pi, Pi Radio on YouTube, Pi Radio UK. Um, we went round the crew mile on Eid and we're interviewing people, asking them what their favourite iftar meal is, what they think about chunks, quitting music, all that stuff. And yeah, we got some characters. So yeah, you should definitely go and check that out. <laughs> For the next half an hour, we are going to be doing a physiotherapy special. This is a segment from a webinar that we did a few weeks back discussing Bain representation in physiotherapy, um, how to get into the career, various stories that each of the participants had. And the full video will be available on YouTube later today. But just to give you guys a taste of what to expect, um, here we go. So, uh, yes, I'm Arnie Puntis. My my real name, my full name is Arnandy, but everyone just calls me Arnie. Um, uh, so I'm a physio. I've been practicing for about 15 years. Um, I specialize in frailty and complexity with older adults and recently took a secondment opportunity at Health Education England, which is um, a strategic kind of body that helps to kind of uh, look into education um, for the NHS as a whole and I work within sort of AHP, so allied health professionals. So I've kind of moved from my clinical role into a bit more strategic post more recently. Indo, was there anything else that you wanted to add? Uh, to my, I'm just a student from Vancouver <laughs> studying at the University of Brighton. COVID kind of threw a wrench in my plans of spending more time in England. But nonetheless, I, I think I do have enough experience within the NHS to give my intake on it so take on it 
I'm going to start off with um, just uh, a topic going off the back of kind of what what you said, Arnie. Um, so how you said like your you, what your full name is and how you prefer to go by Arnie. I'm the same. So my first name is actually Janney, which is a very good Gujarati name if you know it. Um, but my middle name is Sabrina, and I tend to go by Sabrina. And I think the reason why I did that was um, when I was a student like India I found that with a lot of patients I was spending the first five minutes of my session kind of explaining my name or it just led for them to ask me where I was from and things like that so I think it's interesting just to show a bit of light onto onto how sometimes um, brown um, South Indian or even any people of color who have a non-English sounding name um, We'll, we'll, sw- we'll switch it up um, in the medical field. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, it wasn't, I, I made a conscious decision that when I went to university, I was going to call myself Arnie and people called me Arnie at school. And um, it wasn't like I just made up this new name, but I just thought when I go to university, I've had so many years of people being unable to pronounce my name, especially when they see it written down, it's spelled Anansi and that's how English people would say it, but it's pronounced Anansi, but no one could say it. I had so many years of teachers and other children not being able to say it I was like do you know what I'm just going to go by Arnie because it's much easier and then I thought it'll be easier to make friends it's really sad just kind of saying it out loud like I thought it'll be easier for me to make friends I'll be more accepted I can just get on with things without having to um be this person with a weird name um but now I kind of think gosh it's such a shame because it's a really lovely name um and now I kind of think is it too late to kind of revert back to my original name <laughs> we'll see <laughs> I think I'm in I'm in the same boat as you and I think like now people in in the physio world and generally just know me as Sabrina it, can I can I revert back or will I lose kind of all, all of what I've done with the, with with my myself known as Sabrina yeah. um, but I think one of the first topics is kind of representation of of physios um BAME physios in the physiotherapy world I don't really like the term and I think this is a huge discussion at the moment as well and I think it has been touched on before um, because we're not minorities if you look across the world actually we're probably um, the, quite the opposite of that majority. yeah absolutely um, and I think for I think if, if I had like Arnie for example if, if, if I had heard that story um, about you kind of wanting to revert your name kind of back so many years into your career um, I maybe would have thought twice before maybe going with Sabrina at uni or maybe that's just the path that I needed to take. Indo, would you be able to give us a little bit if we start from the beginning about what kind of student life is like for um, a brown international student? Um, Could you highlight a little few things? So in Vancouver, I come from a community where it's predominantly brown, the community that I was raised in. So coming to England, I thought it would be very similar. I was supposed to either go to Birmingham or Brighton and I chose Brighton and uh, the physiotherapy campus in Brighton is actually in Eastbourne and everybody around me was white. There was nobody that was brown. Um, My class was very diverse, but if you look more into the nitty gritty of it, my class was diverse because it was all the international students. People from England were all the white people. So it was just a little bit, I think I was taken aback by it. And then going to work in the NHS, 
I always got, where are you from? And then I would, because I am an international student at the end of the day in England, and I would say, I'm from Canada. And then they would say, where are you really from? Where are you born? And then I'd say Canada. And they're like, no, no, no. Where are you really, really from? And I'm like, if you're asking me where my parents are from, they're from India. Mm-hmm. So it was a little bit different because I never experienced that, that at home. And then experiencing that in England was just different. Working on the wards, you see a variety of people from all different walks of life. You see the very rich, you see the very poor, you see the in-between, you see the black, you see the white and you see the brown. And I think for me, the biggest thing from kind of one of my experiences when I was kind of working on a stroke unit, I saw loads of stroke effects, um, a large South Asian population, and it also affects a large Afro-Caribbean population. So it was nice for me to be able to actually give back to my own people as well in some ways. And I think the the biggest thing for me when I was working on those wards is um, I saw the cultural differences. And after a stroke, you, you can have cognitive impairments, you can have speech impairments, um, you can have physical impairments as well. And I think the biggest thing with with that is if one of those things is slightly off and you're not aware of someone's culture you may think that they might be cognitively impaired or they might not be speaking correctly when actually that they are speaking correctly but they're from a jamaican background and they speak patois so they actually speak in a different grammar or you know they're they're of um they're from they're from an asian asian background and you know their 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 first language isn't actually english and you're asking them all of these cognitive questions about you know who who's the monarchy they 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 may not know that if you ask them maybe something about indian history because they they that's where they were from then you know they might answer better and they might score better or if you were to ask them in their first language um then you know you, you might get a different answer and I think that's why there's it that's why I think I've got a massive push for representation within physiotherapy because by me being on that straight unit I was able to educate the physios around me as well about these cultural differences although it's not my job to educate them about these cultural differences um, sometimes you just have to take on that role for the for the sake of the patients. I was interested, do you think in terms of you're saying you're educating people, do you think this ignorance is willful or do you and do you think if, if after you educate people, are people actually taking this into account or do you think that it's just a case of people aren't thinking, oh, there's actually a difference? I suppose what I'm saying is, do you think that there's a want to actually learn and educate themselves or do you think even after you are pointing out there are obvious cultural differences here and you need to take that into account people are still remaining ignorant i think it very is dependent on the person like no one person is the same so some people are all for listening and you know wow you know what i didn't realize that you know within this culture there's 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 this kind of um there's this factor um whereas some people kind of get slightly defensive sometimes and i think i in the words that you choose to use i get very anxious sometimes before i uh, i sit sit down to speak to someone because i'm already expecting that backlash and that defensive mechanism um i've had it unfortunately i've had it with uh, very senior members of staff as well which is really upsetting to see sometimes because you think you're you're, you're the leaders you're you're the ones who are creating the atmosphere you're the ones who are making the mood of the room so if you're if you're getting defensive about these things um then how are we going to move forward 
Um, and I think that's the biggest push that we need to have more people of colour um, getting into physiotherapy and kind of working their their way up into those more senior roles um, and not even just people of colour but just having those allies within healthcare as well um, I think it's nice that we've got a room of kind of Inda who you're, you're soon to be graduating um, I'm kind of a few years qualified and you've got Arnie who's in a very senior position within physiotherapy so you can see that it is possible to move up the ranks from being a student to being qualified to move into a very senior position and and to be in a role with Health Education England, which is a very large thing as well um, that our needs to do. Yeah, I think, um, like you were saying, Sabrina, like some people that you talk to, they're just like, like you were saying, Carlos, they just haven't even thought of it because they've never had to think of it. Um, And it's not um, through any sort of malice. They just haven't had to think about it before, whereas we're always thinking about it because we're people of colour. Um, and so when you try and explain things, they can be really open to it. But then there are some other people who won't necessarily be like that. But I'd say generally when it's to do with patients, people are very kind because it's focused on what's best for the patient. And actually, if you understand that patient better, then they're going to take that on board. Um, I think when it comes to talking about um, relationships between staff, that's when it can get a bit more tricky. Um because with a patient, it doesn't feel like it's so close. Whereas when it's a fellow staff member, it can feel a bit too close to the bone when you say something about how they've maybe, you know, um, that they've kind of displayed some sort of microaggression maybe, then they're gonna take it as more defensive. Whereas if they've done something to a patient, it's, I don't know how, but it seems a bit more distant. So speaking on that, um, being a student, I work under educators so being a student, I feel like you feel like you don't really have a voice as much as you would as if you were in a working environment. And I've come across um, cases where one one of the placements that I was in in an NHS setting, it was a South Asian woman and she was um, there. And my educator had said, oh, she doesn't listen to exercises. She doesn't understand what we're saying. And it was very upfront. I haven't even met this woman yet. And that's what she's saying to me. We go and see her and she speaks Malayalam. I speak Punjabi. There's no language thing there, but at the same time, there is like a connection. And she spoke English. It was just with a bit of an accent, I would say. And the person that I was shadowing at that time, they didn't consider that. And they didn't even take the time to explain what was happening. And then when I came into the mix, I started explaining to the patient what was happening, why we're doing what we're doing. And just like that, they participated in their rehab program. Um, and then thereafter, she's like, oh, because you guys spoke in your same language. I'm like, actually, we speak two very different languages, but we found a common ground. And if you took the time to explain it, maybe it would have been better. I didn't obviously say that to her because I didn't want to step on any toes, but very different. Yeah, but I think that's why it's so important that we have people from diverse backgrounds coming into the profession. So we need a workforce that is reflective of our population so that actually we get better health outcomes for our patients, but also we then create better health outcomes for ourselves. So people that are in employment, especially if you work in a career like physiotherapy where you're guaranteed pretty much a job, you're in a secure job within the NHS, you know, you've got a steady income, it means your health outcomes are gonna be better in general because you're employed. Um, Yeah, and then you're gonna have better health and your family will have better health, but then also you're impacting your local community and the money that you earn is then being spent in your local community as well. Um, so it's so it's so important to have it, not just, it's not just a nicety to have representation. It's actually like a public health 
um, issue. I think off of, off of the back of kind of what you both said, I just wanted to share a couple of stories that I thought would just resonate quite well. So I think um, from from the first bit of what we were speaking about, as in some people are just absolutely unaware that racism kind of exists as such, or even like there is different cultural backgrounds of things. Um, when I was at my old trust, um, I kind of when Black Lives when the Black when the Black Lives Matter um, kind of stuff came came up, um, and there was protests happening and things like that. Someone actually sat down and said, "Sabrina, does racism still exist in the UK in London?" And I said, "Honestly, if if you, if you don't know that, then like you really need to need to get out there and." Be around more people of color because I'm telling you, every single person of color in London has experienced something. Whether it's I'm walking across the road and you know someone's not indicated and I'm still crossing and someone's then shouted out at me like hooted their horn and said go back to your country or whatever it is, you you just get that, um, and it's just a part of being brown or being a person of color in London. Um, another story that I wanted to say is that recently, um, so I've started working in Southwest London and um, there is a large um, like it, South Asian community and a lot of our patients actually speak Gujarati, whether they're Muslim, whether they're Hindu, whatever it is, they, they speak Gujarati and luckily for me I speak um, Gujarati fluently and that actually comes into aid um, when I'm doing some of my sessions. So sometimes there'll be this patient who they've just not been able to get up as India said, because you know, no one's sat there and spent the time to get a translator because there's translators available in the NHS, but it's just sometimes difficult to organize. So people don't want to go that extra mile to kind of organize those things. So um, I was on the ward and I just finished doing a session with someone um, and the person next door was kind of like, oh, did you, were you just speaking Gujarati? And I was like, yeah, I was speaking Gujarati. Um, and they were like, that's crazy. I've been coming to St. George's Hospital for the past however many years and never have I heard a clinician actually do a session or speak to a patient in Gujarati and I think sometimes it's difficult with the medical lingo to um, transfer some of that language across in Gujarati or any other kind of language but I think just trying and persevering a little bit it just gives that patient a little bit more morale to kind of comply with what what needs to be done my mom's my mom's a hairdresser she she went to university and did um a maths degree because her dad said you know go to university so she she did that and then as soon as she finished she did the hairdressing course and became a hairdresser so there's never been a massive push on me kind of for what I have to do which is really lovely actually but there is always somehow a comment she I had to do work experience at a dentist when when I was in year 10 and year 11 because my mum was like oh you should become a dentist um and then I, I had the grades for medicine and I chose I didn't want to do medicine but it's like what well, why didn't you why don't you push yourself and do medicine and even now um when I have to explain to my nan about what I do um, my daddy for those who, who who speak other languages but when I have to explain to her kind of um about my profession I go yeah I'm, ba- I'm, I'm basically a doctor and, I, and that's the way I have to explain it because in their mind it's like either you're a doctor or you're a nurse and that's that, that's as far as their exploration into the um multidisciplinary team goes mm-hmm. um but I think I'm passionate and I want to I want to explain kind of that you know I'm a physiotherapist but there's just I don't have the language to be able to explain Mm -hmm. explain my whole role to her. 
So my family has always supported education. It doesn't matter what you decided to do as long as you go ahead and get an education, especially as a female in my family. I don't think the pressure was put on my brother as much as it was for my sister and I. Um, my mom was in the healthcare field. She was in nursing. Um, she never said, do this. Obviously, she did mention, like, why don't you go for medicine? Why don't you go for medicine? And I said, contrary to popular belief, not everybody wants to be a doctor. Yes. <laughs> Which she was fine with. Um, she knows physiotherapy. My dad had injured his leg when I was um, like 16 years old and I was with him during physiotherapy appointments and they knew I was always into doing rehab and I wanted to do rehab. So I think for me, familial wise, I was okay as long as I went and got educated. But explaining it to other family members, especially elderly family members that may not be familiar with physiotherapy, I kind of follow the same suit as Sabrina where I was like, I'm like a doctor I don't know how else to explain it to you because there's no either you're a doctor or you're a nurse exactly like there's no in between and then they don't understand anything in between um which is why I try to raise more awareness for it and I try to um talk about it more and say more of what we do because we are different like we are more about being in the community rehabilitation I got asked in one of my physiotherapy interviews when I was applying to physiotherapy why aren't you applying to medicine and I was like, because I don't want to be a doctor. I was like, what a stupid question. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what are you I'm, asking? I'm a physio interview. Like, yeah, I'm like, hang on, have I come to the right place? <laughs> <laughs> I think off of the back of that as well, I think it's a bit about the kind of the culture. So I think like for, for my granddad and for my dad, they would rather pop smarties than actually get up and exercise as such like I think um so my so if I go back so yes I have like that Indian heritage but um my family migrated across to Kenya and they've been in Kenya for many years and a lot of um they're quite the 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 Asian population in Kenya are quite wealthy and what they do is they work the men especially they work they they eat and they drink and that's kind of it and as long as they're kind of bringing money in it's it's it, it's okay um and that's kind of just the culture behind it and i think a lot of kind of what what i grew up on is kind of more herbal medicines and things like that because my mom's kind of not for popping a pill she'd rather get get active and exercise rather than having to take like pain medication or whatever it is but on the other hand I've got my dad who's the polar opposite um and even after I finished my physiotherapy degree although I'd gone and got an education he he had the audacity to say I don't actually believe in physiotherapy and it's like he, he will not listen to anyone but a doctor um which is sometimes a bit a bit upsetting but I think I've got to that point where I'm like I know what I can what I do and I make such an impact on so many different people's lives that your one opinion that's your loss if you're not participating in physiotherapy because you're now not going to get rid of some of your ailments. I think especially for the South Asian population especially when like things like cardiovascular disease and anything along those lines are so prevalent understanding exercise and getting moving and physiotherapy is so important. So I do think it's really important that we endorse it as much as possible and educate across the board or something like this. And going off of that, if it makes you feel better, I think parents in general don't like listening to their kids. So when I was working on one of the elective ortho wards, which is kind of when you have your um, hip and knee replacements and then you come to this lovely ward normally, um, it's normally quite well well staffed and well stocked. <laughs> um, and um, I had this lady who was of Nigerian heritage um, 
and she in the morning would have her prayers on like she'd be uh, listening to you know her hymns and she'll be attending kind of like uh, her church services and things like that virtually through her phone while she was in hospital um and it'd be playing quite loudly because if you if you ever go into like uh, an ethnic church like it is quite lively and things like that um so what what this war did said oh she's being really loud and being really difficult and put her right at the end of the wards kind of away from everyone really isolated her and when i saw that i was like kind of what what is going on like has any has anyone complained about the noise but it was more the staff members that had a problem with the noise as compared to the patients and i thought are we not here for for, for the patients as compared to what our preferences about our working environment are because we have to be flexible because that's part of our job when you're working on a and e you've got all kinds of funny noises going off in the background when you're working on itu you've got so many machines going off at once so I think that's 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 another reason why we need more people of color, not only in physiotherapy but also in into the healthcare sector because it's the nurse's decision, kind of the senior nurse's decision to allocate where that patient's bed's going to be. Um, but I do appreciate that there is a bit of a glass ceiling sometimes for um, for people of colour to get into those senior positions. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you dreams that it is easy to get into those senior positions, but it is possible. Anybody that is looking to go into physiotherapy, I would definitely say go and volunteer with another physiotherapist or in the community just to get an idea of is this what you actually want to do so you understand it because a lot of people I feel like will be like this is a good job I'm going to go into it and then don't have an idea about what it is and I'm not discouraging anybody I do want people to go into physiotherapy but it's more that I want to make sure that everyone understands what they're getting into what they know uh, that they know what the career actually entails so they can work to promote it Um, whereas somebody can get into it and they may not like it and then have a negative um, light on it, which can affect other people around them that may want to go into physiotherapy, but seeing this person kind of deters them. I think, yeah, off of the back of that, I think one of the biggest things while you are like applying for physio or even doing your like work experience or whatever, whatever happens to you and whatever anyone says to you, don't take it personally um, because it's not intended sometimes at you or sometimes someone's just having a bad day and it just comes across like that. And sometimes that can really get you down and deter you and really lower your confidence within the profession. But um, if you don't take things personally and you kind of just brush them off and carry on doing, um, then that's that's one of the biggest things that I'll highlight. Um, for any student physios who are listening out there, I would say just remember why you're there. You're not there for the team. You're not there for anyone else. You're literally there for that patient. And I think that's the biggest thing that kind of keeps me going. Sometimes I like write a little reflection after a patient's kind of given me like, oh my God, I, I want to take you home to marry my son. Um, I will remember that. And like, you know, it's just those small things where you've gained someone's trust, you've made someone better and, you know, they, they, they've they've acknowledged that um i think for anyone who's applying um there is various different groups um i'm sure if you kind of approached even like the csp babe network on twitter you'd get a response cultural health club 
um, is another group. Um, there's the pain community, which is kind of looking more into research, but that's something if you're someone who is willing to give a bit of time and actually um, create research so that we can get rid of these stigmas in terms of, you know, South Asian women catastrophize their pain, if we're able to create um, literature to 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 put down people's throats that actually know you're wrong in what you're saying um then that's something that i would also recommend i think um when you think about where you're applying um i think there's a massive push for pushing for more kind of diversity into each place but do not like you, prepare yourself a little bit for that culture shock when you arrive that you may be one of four people who have color on your course because that's what it was like for me um and I was a bit like you and I grew up in like West London and a very brown part of West London um so I was not the minority by far I was the majority I then went to live in Kenya for two years and again I was not a minority and then I went to Eastbourne and people used to look at me when I was walking up the road because they just haven't seen a brown person. I was like, oh, okay, this is a bit odd, but don't let any, like you will sometimes, there will always be ups and downs in your pathway, but be passionate, be patient, bear with it. And you know, you will get to where you want to get to. I would say definitely um, get work experience, which can be really difficult to do unless you know somebody um, who works in healthcare. So I would say definitely if you're on Twitter, use the BAME CSP network. Um, or just the Charter Society video, contact them to find out what opportunities they know about. Um, there's also a great website called I See the Difference, which has got loads of information about um, different allied health professionals, including physio, and it then direct, can direct you to like where there might be like online work experience, um, where you can kind of do virtual things or you can be linked up and do it remotely. Um, because of COVID, you know, they've had to kind of think a lot more creatively around it. So there are there are opportunities out there. You just need to kind of have a little dig around um, to try and find them. And then I'd say if you do decide you want to go into physiotherapy, it's worth then trying to find like a mentor of some type, of some sort. And again, um, the Child Society of Physio will help do that or the Bain CSP network so that you've got someone to talk to um, and someone to help guide you through the whole process. It's like a sort of a friendly aunt kind of taking you through things. Um, but yeah, I'd say physiotherapy is a great career. I've, I love being a physio. Um, I love the work that I do. Like, yes, I'm a minority, but actually in the, you know, in the work that I do now, I see it as a real privilege to be able to be in that space and influence and change things. And actually I get to speak to people in positions of power and explain things to them, um, which up until this point, you know, there hasn't been anybody in that sphere that's been able to do that because no, no one's applied for those jobs or no one's been successful in those jobs so I kind of say yeah um, get work experience make sure you want to do it and then find a mentor and then just just go for it it's a great career yes guys and you will be able to find the full webinar available on our youtube at mango masala radio if you type that into youtube it should come up I'll be up later this evening. Hopefully, some of your questions were answered there. There's also a load more. I think the whole conversation is around an hour long, so there should be plenty of information once that video goes up. Thanks a lot for tuning in, guys. It's been a pleasure as always. Um, if you want to keep up to date with us, then make sure to give us a follow on Instagram at Mango Masala Radio. And yeah, Eid Mubarak again to all celebrating, and we will see you next week. Bye.